There they go. Hank South, nice enough to fill in for Jeff Howe today. Jeff was at the Steve Sarkeesian press conference that uh, just wrapped up over on the 40 Acres. Yeah, even though National Signing Day 2 is kind of an afterthought nowadays, and boy, Texas was a non-factor, right? Nobody signed. Nobody is going to sign today for the Longhorns. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian still held his annual Signing Day press conference, spoke for about 50 minutes, uh, talked about the new assistant coaches that he brought in with Johnny Nansen and Kenny Baker. Also talked about uh, some of the guys that were signed in December, although Steve Sarkeesian talked about those guys a couple of months ago. Also, uh, Sark gave a little injury update and gave some scheduling nuggets for when spring football is going to occur. But you said it, Trey. I mean, it's it's just weird. Like, this used to be the Super Bowl for recruiting, and now – it's it's not just a Texas thing. It's hardly a big deal for any fan base anymore. Yeah, it's just the nature of the beast. Things evolve, and that includes signing day, apparently. None of us 10 years ago would have thought that would be the case, that come early February, this day would barely be a blip on the college football radar, but that's what it is now. And you could, You won't return it back to what it was, by moving National Signing Day 1 to the preseason, but you will make it relevant again because there will be guys who would like to wait until after their senior season has ended, or maybe they, for one reason or another, and maybe it's they haven't gotten that offer from their dream school just yet, and so the school gives them the offer during their senior season, so that makes their decision a little bit easier, or in some cases, maybe a little bit harder. So... I, I think it makes a lot of sense to do that. Now, whether it's ever going to happen, I don't know. Talking to our buddy Justin Wells about it, he's actually opposed to that. He likes keeping it in December, and I forget what his rationale is. Maybe we can ask him about that when we talk to him next Monday at 1230. But, yeah, I just I, I think logistically it makes sense. For the sake of the drama, it makes a little bit more sense. And we'll see if it ever happens, though. It's uh, just a, a pipe dream right now. I'm on your side for all of the reasons you just laid out and also for our industry when there's not any football stories to talk about in the middle of the summer. If you all of a sudden threw a national signing period in there, uh, I'd get people more amped up to talk college football. It'd give us more content and then get people even more excited for the start of the season, which would uh, presumably occur not too far after that summer signing period. So that is the other tricky thing is where exactly you would put that because media days are happening in mid to late July and then fall camp gets going late July or early August. So are you putting it flush in the middle of that where these coaches are trying to prepare their team for the start of the season and now they have to pause and take that break to host a 30 to 60 minute press conference to talk about the newest signees. So it's tricky. It's not, it's, Whatever happens, it's never going to be completely clean, unfortunately, unless you were to move everything back to February. But that's not going to happen. National Signing Day 1 was implemented for a reason. And so I imagine that if they ever do move it, it'll probably be late July, and you'll see all these teams start uh, start their fall practices after the signing period. Yeah. yeah, you have to have some sort of early signing period now. I mean, 18 of Texas is 22 high school signees are already on campus. And if you only had the February signing period, like you couldn't have the early enrollee bit, right? So you've got to at least keep something before the start of semester two for these universities. I, I think the summer one makes sense. Like it was, it was bullshit. Look, it's not why Texas lost. This is not sour grapes because Washington had to deal with it too. And all of the playoff teams have to deal with it. But yeah, the fact that you know Steve Sarkeesian and this coaching staff is preparing for a playoff game, and also trying to put the finishing touches on a top-five recruiting class at the same time. Oh, by the way, while the kids are dealing with final exams and they're trying to wrap up their high school seasons, it's just a mess. Like It doesn't it doesn't need to be that way. And I always talk about this with the NFL trade. The NFL just dominates the sports calendar. There is something NFL-wise every single month, right? Like, obviously, the season ends – this Sunday, okay, well, the Combine comes up at the end of February, the start of March. Then free agency happens in March. Then you've got the draft in April. Then you've got the, the schedule release in the summer. Then it's training camp. Like, literally every single month, there is something NFL-related that brings it to the top of mind for sports fans everywhere. Like, college football, I think, with a summer 
signing period has the opportunity. They're never going to be the NFL. Nothing is. But they've got the opportunity to sort of do that to where, I mean, we get to now, it's like spring football is kind of a thing. But really, over the summer, you're forcing college football stories once the spring games come to an end. You've got the chance to make yourself more relevant. Maybe this is a future non-NCAA college football decision that gets made. You got the chance to make yourself more relevant and bring more eyeballs to your sport in a time that has traditionally been slow. Yeah, and I don't know if you give credit to college football for this or not, but college football has taken some of the offseason narrative over these last couple of offseasons as a result of various things. I mean, obviously the conference realignment conversation has been pretty hot these last couple of off-seasons. Some other things surrounding the transfer portal and NIL and the future of this school and this conference and just the NCAA in general. I mean, even this week, we've had a couple of major lawsuits filed and a major ruling by the uh, NLRB that is going to allow the players for an Ivy League school to call consider themselves employees and potentially unionize. Now, this is still in courts. We'll see if this is ultimately allowed or if it is nipped in the bud, much like what happened with the Northwestern players back in 2014. But there's an- another lawsuit coming down the pike out in California where there's a lawsuit against uh, USC, the Pac-12, and the NCAA for essentially colluding to uh, keep the student-athletes at that school from being considered what they are, and that's university employees when they're getting paid to play sports for that school too. So uh, I imagine we'll see college football continuing to grab a larger and larger piece of the pie. But one thing that would separate national signing day one in terms of off season chatter versus some of the other stuff is it has much more to do with the on field product versus the fucking drama behind the scenes, which look, I'm I'll be honest. I am a nerd for this stuff. It is fascinating to me. Uh, and, And since I do love it, even though there are parts of it that I don't like, where college football was and where it's headed. Um, ultimately, uh, you adapt or die, as as the saying goes. So to get more on-field type coverage for college football in the offseason would be really cool. We have spring ball, so that provides a version of it. But let's be honest, those are glorified practices. Even the uh, the spring game at the end of each uh, four-week, four to six-week practice session Glorified practice, once again, it's still cool, but it's also still being outdone by whatever is happening with the NFL at that point in time. For sure. Hey, Longhorn Network, give us some new content. Make yourself useful, guys. This is your last year. You're going away. Give us something to remember you fondly for on your way out, please. How about no more announcers during basketball games? I, look, I'm sorry. I... I that was last night was literally the first LHN game that I've watched all season long. If that's how those games have been going all year, we may just want to abolish the play by play and color guys. Cause that was unbearable. I turned the sound off at a certain point. I just couldn't listen anymore. The uh, crack stream link I sent you worked. Thank you. Oh my gosh. You want to talk about an incredible uh, service there. I really appreciate you sharing that. That will not be the last time I am uh, turning to that service. I'm a dark web guy. All right. I've got guys for anything you need. So you just let me know. Now you're my gotta, gotta guy, guy. (laughs) With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Is there an echo? What are you, Lou Gehrig giving that speech? <laughs> this is the luckiest, okay, 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 day, day, day. The disease guy. That's how, that's how I know him. Uh, yeah, so they, they started, so Lowell Galindo has been the play-by-play guy for a while. They had Bruce Bowen, the San Antonio Spur great, one of the biggest floppers, and I'm a Mavs fan, so I got to be careful here. Uh, whatever, great player for the Spurs for a long time, key component to some of their championship teams, a pest. That is how I will describe him on the floor, and I'm sure he'd be willing to admit that he is a pest when he played basketball. 
But I don't know what happened. Like, he was doing some of the non-con games, and then they got rid of him, and they replaced him with Adrian Branch is the guy's name. Who is and that? He, he was the color guy on the call. He played in the league for a little bit. I don't know much about him. I, this is his first year of doing Longhorn Network. Played his college ball at Maryland. Uh, Kevin Dunn, I'm sure, would have a, a lot more to tell you about him. But, yeah, I, I, I he couldn't see. He thought Iowa State was wearing maroon last night. Yeah, he kept he saying, like, he kept calling Lowell Galindo LG. Like that, okay, do that a couple of times. Just say that every other fucking sentence. Please stop. Oh, my God. He was just trying to crack jokes that weren't funny. He was just, I don't know what he was talking about. I don't think he was watching the same game that you and I were watching, whether it was on LHN or on one of those crack stream sites. But it was tough, man. And then I like, there are a few misconceptions about Texas fans. One of them is obviously how we feel about horns down. Now, every Texas fan is not okay with horns down, but I feel like most Texas fans are are okay with it, whatever. Uh, I think another misconception about this fan base is that, like, we love the Longhorn Network. Like, we are so proud of it, and whenever another school's fan base has to watch a game on Longhorn Network, like, we love that for us and it's embarrassing for y'all and we're texas you guys don't have your own network we so i I always search longhorn network on twitter not like the actual account but i just search into the search bar the two words longhorn network and just iowa state fans are just ripping lhn like who the hell are these guys calling the game some of them are even empathizing with texas fans it's like oh my god if that's what they have to listen to then i'm i feel bad for them i mean it's just it's terrible, dude. And we got, I assume, one or two more of those games left. So we're not done with that. But my God, like, how is that? How is that what we have to listen to? We, we deserve better, don't we? I've never met Lowell Galindo before. I've been told that he's a really nice guy. He's a really good dude. So I'm sorry if this comes across as insulting or whatever else. But he comes across as a play-by-play guy of basketball as a sort of Joe Tessa dwarf, if you get mm-hmm. catch my drift. He's a shorter version of Joe Tessator? Yeah, or poor man's Do- Joe Tessator, yeah. yeah. One of those two things. Yeah, I mean... Joe Tessa uh, dwarf, stop it. Stop with the affectation. Just be oh, yourself. You don't have to sound like that. It's unnecessary. It actually makes you sound like you're not very good at your job when you do that. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard stories about Tess, how like he's one guy when he's away from the microphone and he just puts on this total charade, this total act when he uh, is calling a sporting event. And you're right. It's like, dude, relax, tone it down a little bit. You don't need to do this. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't know that about Lowell. Lowell was much better of the two guys who were on the call last night. I could tell you that. I mean, I'm, I'm not the biggest Lowell Galindo fan in the world. Um, I like, I, I just, it blows my mind that with all the resources ESPN has and with all of the people that Texas has access to that, you know, that we we've had what we've had for some of the LHN broadcasts in the past, but that, that Adrian branch guy cannot call another game for Texas. Like I'll, I'll, I'll work for free. I shoot. I, I know I'm, I'm more of a play by play guy than a color guy, but I could do a better color job than Adrian branch. That was terrible. And like so, I normally I'm like, oh, don't show him this. I hope he doesn't know like that. He, he's got to be better. Someone needs to be held accountable for that because that like the game itself sucked. It was made significantly worse by the fact that the guy calling the game for your own network clearly doesn't know a single thing about the teams. Like, it, there was no research done at all by Adrian Branch. Like forget the day of like he's never watched outside of the two or three games that he's called. He's, he's never watched this team play basketball before. And it's so obvious when you listen to it. And I, I just, I don't understand, like maybe LHN has just mailed it in. I have people that I love who work for Longhorn Network. I don't know if they've just mailed it in because they know they're done at the end of this year. But it, it blows my mind that that network, which was already criticized when it started, has fallen off to a point where they feel like that is an acceptable solution for their announcers. Yeah, I didn't hear Bruce Bowen earlier this year, but I can't imagine him doing a worse job than that. Like, even if he was as bad, at least it's Bruce Bowen. Adrian Branch doesn't even bring the name recognition. He just 
brings really bad broadcasting skills. I hate hammering on the guy because maybe he's new at this and he's been asked to do it. And so he's trying to get comfortable in that role. He's still got a long way to go. And it starts with not continuing to call your fucking play-by-play guy by his initials over and over and over again. It was like Armenian water torture with as many times as he was saying that. What is Armenian water torture? I don't know if I, I had this conversation with Kevin yesterday. I don't know if we can say Chinese water torture anymore. <laughs> no, it was you that I had this conversation with. I don't know what I'm allowed to say in that regard. So I'm just, I'm swerving hard into my own people and saying Armenian water torture. Cause I would imagine that uh, over time we have tortured people with drops of water. It just drops. That doesn't sound like torture. If it's only a few drops, it's not as no. bad. On the 100,000th drop, when your skull is caving in, mm. it hurts. Yeah. Is Sark doing that to some of his players? Not that I'm aware of. I hope not. Oh, man, there's your uh, LHN rant. Yeah, shout out to my guy Cody, former co-host in Houston. If you're a Texans fan, make sure you uh, subscribe to Cody's YouTube channel. Doing great work. Yeah, that's – I mean, everything about that game last night made me mad. Also, they were showing, like, 2020 COVID commercials during the game. I don't know if you caught that, but, like, they were showing one commercial promoting the journalism school, uh, and everyone was wearing masks. Deal? That yeah. was every fucking commercial break? Yeah. <laughs> They're all like, it's a three- to four-year-old commercial. It's like, oh, my God. Y'all don't have any other filler stuff you could put in? Really? Really? Just do what? So one of the reasons, I don't know, do you watch the 4K broadcast of games ever? The 4K? Yeah, they offer they offer broadcasts in 4K. It's supposed to be a higher resolution. I don't see a huge difference in picture. Mm-hmm. But one area where it's really cool is you don't get commercials. Like when it goes to commercial break on the regular network channel, I guess, the 4K, because not everything is shot in 4K, the 4K broadcast just goes with this wide shot of the entire stadium or the entire arena. Just do that. Just give those guys a break. Cut their microphones. You can have it far enough back that like you're not really able to see what's going on in the court and you're giving everybody the necessary break there. Yeah. Versus feeling like you need to run commercials right there when these commercials are dated or just make the channel look even worse than it already does. Bad bit. I don't know if my rectum is 4K, so I got to check that to see if it has that sort of capability. Okay, you don't on rectum, but like YouTube TV will offer the 4K mm. broadcast or 4K channel, and so that's how I'm able to watch like that. I know you knew that much about my rectum service, but thank you for filling me in on that deal. Much well, you know, some things happened in New Orleans that really shed some light for me. Easy gum, bro. I wasn't the other gum, bro. That was Zay. All right. You guys were doing your own thing. I was not a part of that. Oh, it was a one way operation between you and me late at night. Uh, is Zay somewhere behind me? I don't know who you're talking about right now. <laughs> Oh, man. All right. The game itself, uh, yeah, we voiced our frustrations with the broadcast, which I mean, the game itself wouldn't have been any better if it was on ESPN or ESPN2 or Fox, whatever. Uh, hell of a comeback by the Longhorns, but they played their worst half of the season in the first half last night, scored a season-low 19 points. They trailed by 17 at recess. They were down by as many as 18 at one point. They fought hard. They cut the gap to three a couple of different times in the last five minutes, but uh, unfortunately not enough to overcome that massive deficit. And Trey, when you spot a good team, and Iowa State is a good team ranked in the top 15, you give them that big of a lead, and it's going to be a long night for you. And unfortunately, that was the case for the Horns. Yeah, just completely confusing the Longhorns on the offensive end with a very active defense. And Texas was able to really get into a rhythm in the second half, largely because Dylan DeSue just caught complete fire. I'm surprised that anybody else was taking a shot down the stretch, but guys do have to take open shots, and there were even a couple of makes as well. But D- Dylan DeSue almost single-handedly was able to bring Texas back. I say single-handedly. That's on the offensive end. Defensively, Texas, they really tightened up. Now, there were not fouls being called in the game last night. There were instances on both sides where it's like, holy shit, that is a blatant foul. It's not being called. You got to do what 
uh, the refs are allowing you to do. And so I think both teams did take advantage at times, but Texas played much better defensively in the second half. And they really found that spark with Dylan DeSue hitting from all over the court, all three levels, like broadcasters, myself included, love to talk about over these last few weeks. But unfortunately, it just wasn't enough. And my concern with this basketball team right now, BK, I'm trying not to be too prisoner of the moment, is watching these last couple of games. Now, TCU is a bit of an exception because Texas had built up a big lead in that game. But it shouldn't continue to require heroic individual efforts on the offensive end for this team to beat good competition. Because if that is what is required, then unfortunately the season is going to fall well short of whatever the preseason goals or expectations were. Yeah, that's well said, right? You can't be relying on superstar performances from Dylan DeSue and Max Acemas every night to win you a game, right? Saturday, it was Acemas who went on that personal 13-2 to run to close out that TCU game. He was the only guy doing anything offensively for Texas down the stretch. Then yesterday, it was 16 straight points for Dylan DeSue. Like, he was unbelievably hot. I mean, the basket looked as big as Rosie O'Donnell out there. That just that didn't feel fair. Jeez. I was between that and Hope Solo's uh, hole, but that, that also doesn't feel fair. I, I think that's the better comparison, though, for really making a uh, gaping hole comparison, right? Yeah, I think you're right. But he was on fire NBA jam style last night. He single-handedly yeah. willed Texas back into that game. But like you said, you, you can't just have one. Hell, you can't just have two. And that's where Texas is right now. So, yeah, I mean, that's a concerning trend. Also, they're one and four in their last five home games. Trey, they started 26-1 and one at Moody Center. They're one and four in their last five, and they've got eight games left, four at home, four on the road. They're going to be favored in four of those games, the four home games, because the road games are at Kansas, at Houston, at Tech, and at Baylor. Those are all tough. They've got four home games, Okie State, West Virginia, K-State, Oklahoma. They should win all four of those. They will be favored in all four of those. And if they go four and four down the stretch and just do what Vegas expects, expects them to do, they're going to make the tournament. That's going to be enough. But if they start losing more home games, excuse me, if they keep losing more home games and they start losing road games, they've been very good on the road, then we might be talking about a team that's in the NIT, which is obviously not where we want to be. So, yeah, two very disturbing trends. The fact that just they're not getting secondary scoring at all and the fact that they're not winning games at a place that used to be very tough for opponents to come in and win, those things have to change if Texas is going to make the tournament number one, but you know, more importantly, actually do something if they get there. Yeah, I think I saw this from you, but I definitely saw it from some other Longhorn fans too, so I apologize if I'm falsely attributing this to you. The criticism that Tyrese Hunter is receiving right now on the offensive end is completely warranted, and I say that as somebody who has been clamoring for Hunter to be this team's primary ball handler because I think it will keep him more engaged and involved on offense, and that carries over to the defensive end too. I don't know what's going on with him right now. I mean, this is a guy who has taken some major steps backward versus a dude who was all-conference, freshman All-American his first year at Iowa State. He transfers here. Over these last few years, it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride, and we're at a serious dip right now. And in talking about the need to find more than just those two guys to pick up the slack, it's a cast of characters, a short cast of characters that can help do that. But that list should begin with a guy like Tyrese Hunter, who's had so many successful moments at the college level, but he just feels completely lost right now, unfortunately. Agreed. Real quick, Bama boy, thank you for welcoming us to the SEC. want to make sure uh, new listeners comment, gets, uh, gets some love. We appreciate you tuning in. Uh, you're right on Tyrese Hunter. Now, where did Tyrese Hunter transfer from, Trey? Iowa State. Double agent? <laughs> oh, boy. Do we need to reopen that gambling probe? <laughs> was he one of the students there? Is that why he transferred? Because he thought he was going to get caught? Sacked a bunch of Iowa and Iowa State football players and wrestlers in the last year. Uh, yeah, if it was a one-off for Tyrese Hunter, then I would legitimately be wondering if he was point-shaving last night. But it's it's three games in a row, really four of the last five. But Tyrese Hunter has 11 points combined in his last three games. He was averaging close to 13 a game before this recent slide for him. He's in his own head right now. And yeah. 
his struggles on offense are now translating into struggles on defense because he was bad defensively last night, right? He had a couple of huge mistakes late in the game. He, uh, you know, they ran Iowa State ran that pick and roll play. It was a three point game with just under a minute to go. And uh, Tyrese Hunter didn't do a good job at all. It's almost like he didn't even try to get over that screen. Lipsy blew by him. So I think it was DeSue who had to go over and help, which set up Iowa State's big man for an easy dunk. Like, biggest defensive possession of the game, Tyrese Hunter craps the bed. And then, oh, by the way, when Texas was down by four with about two minutes to go, Tyrese Hunter has a shitty turnover that turns into a Lipsy three on the other end, and all of a sudden it's back up to seven. Like, not only was he 0 for 8, in the game, not only did he score zero points, but in the biggest moments, he came up smaller than small. I mean, he's Muggsy Bogue small out there. Terrible. So, like, he's clearly better than this. The problem for Texas is they don't have anybody else that they can really turn to. It's not a deep team. You've talked about this a lot. Like, it's easy to just say, oh, I'll take them out and bring somebody else in. They don't have any other guards, at least I think, who are uh, who are ready for this moment. So, He's got to figure it out, man. If Texas, maybe they can make the tournament with Hunter playing like this, maybe. But if they want to win a game or do anything close to what they did last March, they need that guy to become that guy again. And right now he's not that guy. And that's a huge, huge problem. I mean, that, that's inexcusable. Zero points in 33 minutes. Bad turnovers, bad defense. He's got to figure it out, man. He really does because uh, this team is in trouble if he doesn't. Yeah. yeah, sadly, you're right about that. I mean, Kendall Weaver continues to earn more playing time. Heck, Brock Cunningham was okay enough last night, I guess, that he got pretty heavy minutes once again, but they need Tyrese Hunter to get it turned around pretty fast because they have limited guard depth. I mean, it's pretty much Acemas, Hunter, and Kendall Weaver with IT Horton serving as a sort of wing player, a flex, uh, flex wing player. So if uh, Tyrese Hunter is uh, going to continue to play like this, all of a sudden one of your primary ball handlers is uh, is a pretty big liability out there. That's bad for a team yeah. that's already lacking in depth. You're right. I, I think I would have had Weaver and Cunningham on the floor late instead of Hunter. I was I was honestly a little bit surprised to see Hunter out there based yeah. on how he played that game. It's a game-to-game situation, but based on how he was that game, that's the move I would have made. Yeah, and Texas, man, after doing such a great job on the glass against TCU, uh, they gave up 16 offensive boards. It's what killed them against Houston. It's what killed them last night. 16 second-chance points for the Cyclones. They also had 18 points off of uh, 14 Texas turnovers. That first half, that's where the game was lost. I mean, Texas was the much better team in half number two. They scored 46 points in the second half. Like, if you can do that every half, you're going to win every game that you play. But, uh, yeah, Texas just... They were overmatched. Uh, Iowa State had a great defensive game plan. They blitzed the guards nonstop, right? They have size, they have strength, and they uh, pressured Acemas and Hunter all night long, not giving those guys any space. Texas couldn't adjust in time in that first half. And, uh, yeah, frustrating. Frustrating loss for sure. Texas would still be in the tournament if the season ended today. But, they, God, they have to win on Saturday, don't they? West Virginia, one of the worst teams in the league. I know you already lost to them, so don't take them lightly, but you you got to win this game at home, right? Yeah. This is yeah. one of those that if you lose, then you'll see Texas back in the last four in, first four out conversation. You're right about that. So, yeah. I mean, considering how many difficult road games you have left, you've got to win the games at home, and you have to figure out a way to win a couple of those games on the road, too. Yeah, maybe, maybe. So there you go. We'll take your thoughts, Texas fans. The code text line, 512-222-9328, or uh, keep the YouTube comments coming. We appreciate the love. Uh, yeah, frustrating for Texas basketball last night. They do go 3-3 three and three in that six-game stretch against ranked teams. Not bad. Could have been worse. But, uh, yeah, it's stung with the chance to go to 4-2 and two to, to give that one up on your home floor. Not ideal. All right, we'll get back into the uh, football conversation here momentarily. But first, Trey, how about a word for our great friends over at Big Hat Spirits? Yes, BigHatSpirits.com. That is the website. They are cocktails in a can. Really redefining what the cocktail in a can experience is like. 
That's because it's low on BS. You know that even though I do like the occasional adult beverage, I'm also very keen on what I'm putting in my body. That's even with things like uh, the adult beverages. So to learn that the Big Hat Spirits are no syrup, no gluten, non-GMO, BPA-free, 100% natural, real spirits, that is music to my ears, as is the variety of flavors as well. Everything from ranch water to jalapeno ranch water, the margarita, prickly pear paloma, the blackberry smoke, Texas mule. And for those of you who like the non-alcoholic option, how about that margarita mocktail? You hear Bucky talking about that one in the mornings. Now, Big Hat can be found all over Central Texas. Rather than me tell you about all the places like Specs, 34 Wine and Spirits, because there are a lot of different uh, liquor stores that do sell Big Hat Spirits. I'm going to encourage you to go to BigHatSpirits.com. You can find out more info there. And near the very top of that website, you see a map of the greater Austin area with all the different spots that carry Big Hat Cocktails in a can. It's Big Hat Cocktails, BigHatSpirits.com. Yes, indeed. Shout out to Big Hat. Also, some love to BetUS. If you're looking to make some money on Super Bowl 58 this weekend, you got to go to BetUS, the best online sportsbook and casino out there. If you're watching on YouTube, just click the link in the video description below. If you deposit 50 bucks, they're going to match that deposit, and you'll be on your way to winning money on the Super Bowl, on college basketball, the NBA, any sport, any time. They got for you at BetUS. If you're listening on the app, well, just hit the Explore Our Socials button on the main page of the app, and uh, there will be a link to BetUS right there. Same system. You deposit 50 bucks, they're going to hook you up with some free money, and you'll be on your way to winning on the biggest events in sports. They've got the casino, too. You can play blackjack and poker and roulette and all that stuff. They've got it for you. Make sure you click that link. Make sure you deposit 50 bucks, and you will be ready to go with our friends at BetUS. Speaking of friends, we'll let you hear from one of our friends right now, our man Tom McKay from AV Consultations. This is Tom McKay, owner of Audiovisual Consultations, and we'd like to take a moment to thank all of our clients for making the last 25 years both fun and fruitful. For those of you who have not experienced our services yet, we'd like to invite you to give us a try for all of your home electronics needs. We take care of everything from surround sound home theaters and distributed audio to computer networks, home surveillance systems, to a new television in the living room or bedroom. And we come to you. There's no need to leave your home to find great pricing and incomparable service. No traffic, inexperienced sales geeks, or pushy showroom tactics. Just give us a call and we'll visit you at your home or business to take a look at what you really need. Just relax, hug your kids, and smile. We make your electronics and life simpler to manage. So give us a call and discover what over 7,000 families and businesses already have. Audiovisual consultations is the easiest, most complete way to enjoy today's electronics. Call us at 512-255-8678. That's 512-255-8678 or online at avconsultations.com. Yes, indeed. Much love to Tom McKay, one of our favorites. And, uh, of course, we love AV Consultations. We've been proud customers of theirs for years, and that will continue in the future. Okay, Trey, how about a little new bit here on the award-winning midday program? You okay with this? Sure. So it's a a social media bit that's going to translate into the midday program. Today's Wednesday. God, it is Wednesday, right? This would be a huge F up if it's not. Yes. Okay, I'm doing a little Would You Rather Wednesday. Okay. So we tweeted this out from our Twitter account. That's how it usually works, at TS Unfiltered. Earlier today, we got some Twitter reaction, but also for those of you tuned in on the app or on YouTube, we want to hear your thoughts, and I want to hear your thoughts more than anything, Trey. Would You Rather Wednesday. If you were given the choice, would you rather a mulligan on the 2001 Big 12 championship game or the 2008 Texas Tech game. Of course, we're talking Longhorn football here. So you get a do-over, either the 01 Big 12 title game against Colorado or the 08 Crabtree game in Lubbock. What's your pick there? 2008, because I feel like in 2001, you were going to get boat raced by Miami regardless. In 2008, you have a legitimate shot to win a national championship. Yeah, that's been the consensus response on Twitter to this point. And I think you laid it out perfectly, right? I mean, 
Yeah, one Miami. They were a freaking monster. They were undefeated that year. They they took care of business in the national championship game, and that that team was much better than 08 Florida, which was still a very good team, of course, with Tim Tebow and uh, a murderer. Um, but yeah, a couple murders. Yeah, even though the the 01 one was the Big 12 championship, and it's like ah, you were basically on the cusp of getting there. 08, you beat Tech, you play for the Big 12 title, you win that, then you're going to the national championship, and you've got a, a much more beatable opponent. I'm not as – I was young. I was, you know, 14 in 2008, so you'll have to help me a little bit here. I mean, I remember that season vividly. Um, but, like, I, I still think that Florida team was damn good. Like, there are Texas fans who are like, dude, we get to that game, we beat them, no question. Like, I feel that way about 09 if Cole McCoy doesn't go down with an injury. I don't feel quite that way about 08, even though I think there are aspects of the 08 team for Texas that were better than the 09 team. Where are you with that? Is it like, I think everyone would agree 01 Miami is better than 08 Florida. But if Texas did make it to that national title game, would you have expected or picked the Longhorns to beat UF? That's a good question. I think they would have beat them. I See, I think the 08 team was just better offensively than the 09 team was. The 09 team was still really good defensively, but they lost a little bit of their punch on offense. And I think that, I don't know if the statistics bear it out, but it felt like Colt McCoy played his best football as a junior versus a senior. And so, yeah, I would give them a shot because there was so much NFL talent on that roster that I think they would have matched up with that Florida team pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would have been a great game. Texas definitely would have had a chance. Um, Here's the other thing to consider with the 08 game versus 01 game. Sorry to cut you off there. Winning that 08 game takes away one of the fondest football memories for all Tech fans. Dude, the only football memory they have. Yeah, that's true. That that, that is like literally because they've never won a championship. Like that is their favorite moment in their program's history. Winning a regular season game against Texas. when in a season where they didn't play for a conference championship, let alone win one. That is literally the, like, oh my God, they still bring that up all the time. That's like the number one highlight that they show everywhere. And you still see like wedding cakes for tech fans modeled after the scoreboard of that game. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's all they have. It's all they have. So yeah, it's one of your biggest rivals. And yes, I consider tech a rival. Sue me. One of your biggest rivals uh, you gave them like their their best moment in football history by losing that game. That's uh, you're right. That's the cherry on top for me too. I understand and I agree with anybody who says West Virginia is not a true rival. If you don't consider Texas Tech a rival, you have not been paying attention for decades now. Yeah, I mean, they are little brother, and they haven't accomplished nearly what Texas has. They they are rivals, and years that we don't treat them like rivals, especially that when that game is played in Lubbock, or years that we lose to that goddamn school they're not the level of OU they're not the level of M&M we're not saying that but uh, if you don't consider them a rival I think you're uh you're missing out and it's a nice way to end the rivalry this year on the football field uh with that 50 point victory on on Black Friday but yeah that 08 one will, will always sting and that's one of the biggest what ifs in uh in Texas history if we don't have a dropped interception by the average secondary coach we have right now Megan from Fire the Cannon, which will be on today from 3 to 5, agrees that 2008 was better than the 2009 team. I will die on that hill. may not die on any hills, Megan, but I agree with you there. Hey, she wants to die on the hill? That's fine. We don't want her to die, but it's, you know. I respect somebody feeling strongly enough about something that they're willing to die on a hill. It just doesn't matter that much to me. Hey, speaking of uh, Fire the Cannon, Lifetime Longhorn Trey Faltini will be a guest on FTC today. Awesome. Big time get 315 to 345. So 30-minute conversation with, uh, I think, a fan favorite for Texas baseball. Uh, he will be with Megan and Rocky this afternoon. So you should always tune in, but definitely tune in today to catch that conversation. Uh, baseball opening day, a week from Friday for the Longhorns. And we're working on a little pregame broadcast out with the Occupy Left Field folk next Friday night. We'll hopefully be there a few different times over the course of the season, but definitely uh, be on the lookout and the listen out for that. Okay, there's your Would You Rather Wednesday, the first one. SD says, calling them a rival gives them more credit than they deserve. 
said that after saying Texas is not a rival, by the way. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, is it because it's so one-sided? Like, OU has owned Oklahoma State. I was pretty, Whenever Texas fans are like, you know, bragging about how much they own AM and own Texas Tech. I'm like, dude, look at look at Bedlam. Like OU absolutely considers Oklahoma State a rival, even though they have pounded them for more than a century. Like just because you beat somebody up a lot doesn't mean they're not a rival. And I just I, I see the uh I see the back and forth on Twitter. I hear the hate. You don't talk that way about other fan bases, you don't talk that way about you know, Iowa State or West Virginia or Kansas or Kansas State, like some of the other schools in the Big 12 that you've gone up against for years. It's a little different with Texas Tech. They're in your state. Uh, you compete against them every year in every sport. At least you did until the end of this year. They are uh, their arrival. And if they want to brag about that, they can. They haven't won anything else. So if they want to claim that a uh, big win for them is being considered a rival by UT, then be my guest, Tech fans. Maybe I'll win something someday. Probably not. SD, if you think we're afraid to say things on this channel, you're not paying attention. I just didn't care to say that first part because it was quite histrionic, and uh, you can keep your histrionics in the comments. Other people can read those if they want to. I did get a kick. So Baylor hosted Texas Tech in basketball last night, mm -hmm. and Tech's got Pop Isaacs, who was uh, accused of rape yeah. uh, earlier this season. Um, and Baylor fans were, like, giving him shit, and I'm like, yeah, can you do that? Pot calling kettle black. Are you guys allowed to be the fan base to talk bad about Pop Isaacs? Nope. Like you know, every other fan base and like innocent until proven guilty. There hasn't been a charge yet for Pop Isaacs. So, but every other fan base. All right, if you want to, you want to take your dig and your jabs. That's fine. A college student, well, college student. But I don't know if Baylor uh, should be uh, allowed to do stuff like that. Right there. Yeah. Baylor is uh, still on probation from giving other teams or individual shit about their own players killing other players, their own players skinning cats out of some sick practical joke, and then their players sexually assaulting students at that school and then getting away with it because the coach was either asleep on the job, according to his description of things, or was choosing to turn away as he was learning about these things because the football team was doing well. What a disaster of a university that is. My God, I will not miss them going to the SEC. I could tell you that much. All right. Before we get to where we at in society today, uh, some love to a few more of our fantastic sponsors. A quick word for Altstadt Beer, the best beer that you can find. You got your watch parties coming up on Sunday. Uh, make sure you've got some Altstadt beer with you. If you've got people coming over, have the Altstadt ready to go. If you're going somewhere and you need something great to bring, have the Altstadt beer ready to go. If you're just staying at home watching the game alone, you still need a great beer. doesn't matter how you're watching the Super Bowl on Sunday. Uh, the game is better with an ice-cold Altstadt beer by your side. They've got it at HEB, Total Wine, Twin Liquors, Specs, wherever you go to buy your beer, you can find the greatness of Altstadt beer. They've got a bunch of different brews, too. Something for every beer drinker out there. And it's not just some guy on YouTube and on an app telling you about Altstadt. This is an award-winning beer. The U.S. Open Beer Championships, the Great American Beer Festivals. Altstadt has taken home a number of medals in recent years. Guys who get paid to drink beer for a living are telling you about how good Altstadt is. Don't just take my word for it. Take their word for it and go get you some. I promise one sip and you won't go back to the other beers that you have been drinking in the past. It is Altstadt beer. No impurities, no regrets. And how about uh, a word, a couple of words from our great friends out at Covert BK. Hi, I'm Dan Covert with my wife, Hayden. Welcome to Covert BK. Our newest location in the gorgeous hill country includes Buick, GMC, Cadillac, Chrysler, Dodge, Jeep, and Ram, and hundreds of pre-owned and certified vehicles for you to choose from. We have three service departments that are ready to take care of your car, truck, or SUV with 86 service bays to accommodate any repair and get you in and out quickly. Come visit us today to select the vehicle you've been dreaming about. Covert, born and raised in Austin. Yes, indeed. Shout out to Covert B Cave and uh, Trey. Before we get to where we at in society, how about uh, a word for our great friends over at Pest Wranglers? Of course, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers, Pest Wranglers. 
If you have pest problems around your home or in your home or place of business, Pest Wranglers is the company that you need to call. You can do so by dialing them at 512-670-7808. That's 670-7808. Go to the website, pestwranglers.com. They were established by our friend Steve, a.k.a. Cooter, back in 2006. Back then, he established the company on a couple of different premises premises if i can get that word out one is the motto effective reliable affordable the other is making it all about the customer exceptional customer service is one of the things that separates pest wranglers from the competition steve values people he values relationships he treats his employees well in turn his employees treat you the customer well they are so confident in that customer service that they don't have any contracts you have to sign. If you're unhappy with a service, you can cancel at any time, but they know whether you are asking them to get rid of mosquitoes, maybe it's road control and exclusion inspections for residential and commercial properties, or for people on round rock and Pflugerville, some pool service, you will be satisfied at the end. Again, go to pestwranglers.com for more info. Also to get yourself that free estimate. And as always, Pest Wranglers is a proud sponsor of. Where are we at in society today? That's right. It is your regular look at stories that show we as a people are headed in the wrong direction. Very occasionally, I will bring you a story that provides a sense of optimism that has us all saying to ourselves, hey, maybe we as a people are starting to figure something out. But sadly, Today is not that day. Headline from China. Chinese sex doll rental service suspended amid controversy. Yes. A Chinese company offering sex dolls for rent has withdrawn its services just days after launching. The company, translated to English, is called Touch, and it began offering five different sex doll types for daily or longer-term rent on Thursday in Beijing, but quickly drew complaints and criticism. The company said in a statement that it, quote, sincerely apologized for the negative impact of the concept. But the firm stressed sex was not vulgar and said it would keep working towards more people enjoying it. So what's the issue here? Well, there is already, you're going to be shocked by this, but already a conspiracy theory forming as to why Touch was forced to shut down its rent-a-sex-doll company. And it has to do with the commies. That's right, China's Communist Party. Mm. According to those who are following this story closely, say that touch was forced to stop as a result of the commie stepping in and saying, no, this isn't right. So rent a sex doll, huh? That was the bit rent a sex doll. Mm. And in their press release talking about the suspension of this service, they say some thinly veiled things that are leading people to the belief that the communist party did come down on touch. Because our third-party marketing staff failed to comply with related regulations, certain promotion campaigns were suspended by regulatory agencies. Consider the widespread controversy, we decided to stop the project. We sincerely apologize for the negative impact caused by the project. Oh, this is pandering straight to the commies right now. Especially <laughs> its negative impact on online discourse at a time of major meetings. In the future, Touch will continue to put corporate social responsibility as a priority while actively exploring healthy and harmonious sexual lifestyle. I would argue that if you are renting sex dolls out to people, I, I don't know how healthy a lifestyle you are promoting here. They are used sex dolls after all, which belongs in the category of things like pillows and mattresses and underwear as things that you don't necessarily want to be using secondhand. It's worse than any of those. I mean, almost like reusing a condom, isn't it? Like, or a flashlight, maybe. Yeah, it's uh, those things. I feel like we've talked about rent a sex doll before, haven't we? I mean, oh, I know we lost a bet at one point. I could never find the proper sex doll to make you pay that bet off. Well, let's let's go ahead and make sure we uh, clarify what the actual punishment was supposed to be for that bet. 
It was yes. getting a getting a life size sex doll made in my likeness. It wasn't me having to rent a sex doll used by somebody else to then use myself. All right, you know I'm way too clean to do anything close to that. I'm okay with the buying of the sex doll. Make sure she's under the bed. I'm okay with that, but the renting bit. Come on, that's gross, dude. Gross. And to make sure people understand the full scope of the bet, you are going to have to go out for a nice milk steak dinner with the sex doll that was in your likeness and in the night by consummating the date with your sex doll self. Okay, half of what you just said is true. <laughs> I, did, I did forget about the dinner part of the bet yes that was a part of it and that was the funniest part of it too is that i was gonna have to take a literally life-size sex doll of myself out to a nice steakhouse take it to dinner and probably it was going to be the doll's birthday too so there was going to be a happy birthday sung by the wait staff i mean that shit is hilarious <laughs> the damn chinese they let us down yes they did no disrespect well yes disrespect coach <laughs> they promised us a life-size doll. <laughs> ended up, you bought it, right? You ordered it. It was it was a little figurine. It was like Bucky's Jeter figurine. It was a little bit bigger than that, but yeah, it was like a foot and a half tall. And it's like, how is how is he supposed to have sex with this at the end of the day? <laughs> it just doesn't work. Oh my god! How much did you pay for that, too? It wasn't crazy expensive, which should have been the first clue. It was a couple hundred bucks, I want to say. That is crazy expensive for an action figure. Oh, you're right about that. Well, here's the funny thing is I talked to Tom about it, and Tom was like, I am completely willing to foot the bill if you can actually find a sex doll in his likeness. It was impossible to find. Now, this is, what, four or five years ago, so maybe the uh, the custom sex doll technology has come a long way since then, but back then it was nearly impossible i think i found something but it was in like the five digit range of how much it cost jesus what what should we have done just gotten a regular blow-up doll and like put my face on it i think that was probably the ultimate what needed to be the ultimate outcome yeah that's not nearly as cool though i mean it, it would have been better than what we ended up doing but oh such a genius thing i've never seen any but i've seen the blown up sex doll right yeah. Out at a dinner date as like a fantasy football punishment, but I've never seen the in your likeness type of uh, doll that you had to take out. That would have been chef's kiss, dude. And sex doll BK would have had that surprised look on his face the entire time during dinner. The oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that would have been epic, epic. It. like i want to say i want to bring that back as a future bet payoff for us but like you said i mean i just i don't know if the technology is uh advanced enough to where we could actually make that happen you know i may have to look to see uh, because that would be as humiliating as that would be for me and boy i would have to hide that one from my kids big time it would it would be amazing <laughs> you want to talk about you want to talk about drawing a free promotion for this channel that would do it in yeah, spades. It would. Oh, man. So, look, I, I am uh, back to the original story of where we at in society. I'm okay with this shutting down. I'm, I'm in favor of the sex doll bit. Uh, I'm in favor of the sex robot bit. If that's your thing, be my guest. It's not my thing. I uh, prefer the humans when it comes to intercourse. But, hey, to each his or her own, whatever. I understand that people aren't going out as much these days. And uh, people still need love. And if that's how you get your love, then be my guest. It ain't sinking my boat. But the rent a deal, I can't get behind that, man. That's like disgusting. Even, even if I'm not using it, I, I can't even just say that. That feels like it's sinking my boat, like knowing that other people are using each other's sex dolls. Like that is, there's no way, I'm sure they are cleaned in between uses. But there's no way you can clean that thing out enough to where it would be actually clean. Here's the five sex dolls that we're going to be for rent. Should we power rank these? We used to do power ranking Wednesday on the old show. Should we power rank these uh, Chinese sex dolls here? I mean, you put it out there, so I think we kind of have to now. 
Oh, you got Zelda in the middle. What's going on there? It's supposed to be a Wonder Woman lookalike. Okay. Those aren't even... Wonder Woman wears American flag colors, right? You figure they would have gone Chinese flag with... Uh... Although that, there's no way that would fly over there. Yeah, they're trying to separate themselves from the American film industry. Okay, what's, what are you going with here? I'm going five to one. Five is the worst? Yeah. Wonder Woman is five. There's just too much going on there. I feel like there's things that could hurt you. The sword. Four is going to be the nurse on the far right. Three. Hmm. Actually, I need to. I need to uh, change this. The uh, five so one second from the left, who looks like a a child in a sailor's outfit. So that one's off the table. Let's just throw that one out all together. We're going top four here. Four is Wonder Woman. Three is Nurse. Two is the one who the one who's dressed like an actual doll. And the number one is the one on the far left. <laughs> okay. Oh, I can't believe you just did that. That's disgusting, dude. You're a pervert. No, no now you have to. Now you no, have to power No around. way. No way, dude. Oh, we're out of time. Oh, no. Oh, damn it. <laughs> I'm with you, though, on the, the second to the left. Like, that's that's some R. Kelly stuff right there. Yeah. Dude. That, is, that, that one looked too young. That's not acceptable. Nope. That's we should not. not look. I, I know that it's just a doll, but we should not be making – Sex dolls in the likeness of children. I'm going to have to draw a sex doll line there. Yeah, that uh, feels like a pretty sturdy limb that you're going out on there, my friend. That's yeah. a, a strong take by you. Uh, 254 number on the code of text line says, what the hell is a milk steak dinner? So the lifelike or the uh, replica of the human being in sex doll form was an idea taken from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So in an effort to make that a little bit clearer to people, the milk steak dinner, it wouldn't be a milk steak. Places don't serve milk steaks. That's Charlie Kelly's favorite type of steak is the milk steak. So uh, I, I would always say milk steak, a nice milk steak dinner. I would have had to go to an actual steakhouse and just order a glass of milk on the side. That's how we would have probably paid it off, right? Yeah. I don't so know pour the milk over the top of the steak or not. That seems pretty disgusting, but it's a possibility. That does seem very disgusting. All right. I see the fellas in the waiting room. It's Chip and it's Zay. Gentlemen, how we doing? How we doing, fellas? How's your Super Bowl week going? Uh, It's good. Putting the finishing touches on my Taylor Swift-themed party. How about you guys? Oh, good. Is my invitation in the mail? I don't know if you want to go to this. Oh, but this is yes. the party you don't want anyone to come to. Yeah, this is uh, this. What we have or, in this video this is some chick that you're trying to impress. No, I don't like women enough to do stuff like this. There's no chance. This is uh, this is what mine's going to look like on Sunday. If you guys want to be a part that of that, is so precious. I'm in there's the 87, the 87 charcuterie board going on there. The charcuterie board. You got to have the charcuterie board, oh my especially God. you single fellas. Is that Taylor mm -hmm. Swift's favorite drink there? What is that? I don't know. Here's a little a bit. Bong? Oh, wow. Oh, I thought that was a bong. I was about no. to have to ask for an invite to that party, but no. <laughs> it's like some my son has in his, in his room. <laughs> oh, hey. How are you doing, yeah. fellas? Oh, man. We're good. Super Bowl week's going well. Uh, we didn't talk too much about it today. It's weird. Like, National Signing Day, right? This used to be such a big deal for all of us, and now it's like – I know Sark had his press conference chip. I'm sure you were a part of that, and you've got some nuggets from that deal. But, like, today is just – it's it's nothing uh, compared yeah, to what it no, used to no, be. No kids signed today. God. And that's – that, we know that now, you know, it is weird for those old heads like us who've been through signing day, first Wednesday in February for decades. And now the first Wednesday in February is cleanup on what, uh, what happens in December. So, yeah, I almost yeah, feel like the, yeah. the biggest thing that Sark talked about today was like the new coaches that he's brought in, right? Like we'd already yeah. heard him talk about all the signees because they signed two months ago. 
and Brandon Harris moving up to GM of the recruiting staff, which is a good move. And Billy Glasscock left because Brandon Harris was basically becoming the guy. So Billy Glasscock leaves. He goes to Ole Miss with Lane Kiffin and everybody's happy. So um, no one should look into that move as Billy Glasscock thinking Ole Miss is better. He was basically encouraged. And in fact, Sark helped facilitate that. So, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, did Sark say he's obsessed today? A little bit. Yeah. I need that. That's that toxic energy I need. I need that obsession stuff. Yeah, man. We need to be like relentless. Got to be relentless. Obsessed with glass cocks or something else? Well, (laughs) obsessed with getting back to the playoff. Obsessed with winning. I like that. Something, uh, my man Dan Campbell can can learn from. Why we gotta go back to Dan, man? That's so unnecessary. At this point, it's Wednesday. The following week, why we gotta go back to Dan? Yeah, but our our conversation yesterday about how Bill O'Brien went for it on fourth down in the Chiefs playoff game when they were up twenty four to nothing, and that was the beginning of the end of the Bill O'Brien era. Like, go back and look after he lost that game. They went upside down. Oh, yeah. And he gone. I mean, you've got to learn from these things, Zay. My man, my man Dan's got to learn. Yeah, but I don't think Jared Goff is getting some, you know, unwanted massages on his free time. Houston had a lot more problems going on. Let's keep it real. True. True. All right, guys. We know you all talk Texas football, Texas basketball. Excited to listen. We'll be back tomorrow, but y'all have a great show. Appreciate it. Appreciate you.